0: This is a Crowd Podcast. I'm Sam Warburton and you're listening to Captains, the leadership podcast where I swap stories and compare notes with some of the biggest names in sport. Today, my guest is two-time Super Bowl winner, Osi Umenor.
1: The only thing that I can associate with the team that I was on was just pure grit, pure determination, never knowing when we were beat. You should never take criticism from somebody you wouldn't take advice from.
0: Hi everyone, thanks so much for listening to Captains. My guest today is from a sport I don't know too much about. I did watch Hard Knocks' series and I will watch the Super Bowl final, but I don't know the ins and outs of the cultures of NFL teams. OC won the Super Bowl with the New York Giants twice, both times beating Tom Brady's New England Patriots. We talk about that rivalry and some of the big names involved but we also dig into that underdog spirit and the idea of teams being forged in the image of their leader. That's something I experienced and witnessed in my playing days and you could argue that the best teams have the best elements of their coach running through them. Enjoy the episode with NFL legend OC Umenura. OC, thank you for joining us. How are you? I'm fine, Sam. I'm fine. Thanks for having me. Oh, pleasure. You're actually the first NFL athlete I've ever spoken to. Uh, and I'm actually really looking forward to it because the NFL looks like a, an awesome organization. Have you ever visited like rugby clubs or do you know much about rugby? Ever participated in rugby? No,
1: no, no. Ne- never done it before. I, I knew, I know a couple of rugby players. I know um, Christian Wade, obviously, oh, he came over to the NFL. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and Alex Corbissero, also yes. a really good
0: guy. Um, so I know a couple of... Of the guys, but I've never actually participated in, in in rugby before. How would captaincy work in NFL? So I'm I'm looking at it from the outside. It's, it seems to be that quarterback is like a rugby's ten. They seem to be mm. the kind of like attacking leader. But then I hear. You know, people refer to like their leaders, whether it's defensive, or whether it's coaching. So where does the buck lie with leadership and captaincy in NFL, or is it more of a, a group effort, or is there one guy who tends to spearhead the team?
1: Yeah, it's 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 really different. Honestly, you have the guys who are voted in as captains, right, and then you have um, the captains who the let's say the organization wants to put forward as the captain or as the face of the, as the team, because the captain is the guy who they put out front, right? Yeah. But then, as you would know, as, as a player, there are also some guys who are within the locker room who are the real leaders, right? They're the guys who may not have the C on their chest. They may not be the actual captains. But everybody in the locker room knows that this is the guy or these are the people who are really in charge of of the team. So um, we had those separate types of guys. Now, the guys who uh, they would want to put out front, usually the quarterback, that's the guy who they would want. Uh, you know, he's the leader. He's the guy who has the ball in his hands at, at all times. Um, So they want to put him uh, forth as the the, the leader. But then you have the guys who, you know, may not be so friendly. They may not be the nicest guys. They're, you know, a little wild. They might do anything at any given moment. So you don't really want to – you can't really trust them to be the face of your franchise. But everybody in that locker room knows that these are the guys who are the engine. These are the guys who are running the football team. So,
0: Oh, um, it, it was different levels. Where were you on that continuum? What were you like as a as a personality in the dressing room?
1: Oh, the wild card. I, I was the guy that would never. Sam, <laughs> <laughs> I was the guy that would never put fronts and be like, "This is our captain," because. <laughs> they, they didn't know what
0: I was going to do right so <laughs> <laughs> I've seen uh, the, the way you play if I was yeah. like I sort of look oh, if I was to play NFL I was like a defensive kind of player mm-hmm. in rugby so mm-hmm. I would have loved to like then your position you know yeah. Um, yeah. so I always think because if you're in that I, I imagine all the D guys they've got to be quite emotional yep. you'll be quite aggressive you yep. know and i see that that's the way you play so in cardiff we had two players who were from america and they were brilliant for us they brought so much energy and i absolutely loved them and we all say the guys who are playing at cardiff that they were two of the best team players that we ever had just for like their energy and support and motivation around the training ground and on the pitch as well and they were like fan favorites they were like two of the only players who had like chance in the stands like fans loved them And they were quite extroverted. My stereotypical view looking in as a Brit for NFL, you just think like everyone is full of that energy. Is that naive of me or do you get the full spectrum of personalities in the NFL roster? The
1: full spectrum for sure. But for the most part, it would be the extroverted guys. The game is such a rough, uh, tough game that you're going to need people constantly talking, constantly motivating you, constantly getting you up. Otherwise, you know, once it gets rough out there, you know, if everybody's quiet, then everything just kind of, goes to hell. So for the most part, you have a lot of guys with a lot of energy. Um, so the guys who you who you had on your team, that's like a prime example of the way Americans behave, especially in the NFL.
0: You've been involved now NFL player pundit twenty years, over twenty years. Yep. Have you seen leadership change, or has it stayed quite constant over that time? It's definitely changed, yeah. and I,
1: I don't I don't know if if I'm like the old guy now, right? Because because you, you know how sometimes you. You see things and you're like, huh? Oh. Well, in my day, this was. Yeah, yeah.
0: I'm, I'm getting to right. that point. Yeah. <laughs> right.
1: But the things seem so different now than, you know, when I was playing. Like, when I was playing, you had like real ferocious leaders. You had Ray mm-hmm. Ray Lewis, you had Ed Reed, you had yeah, the stray yeah, hands, man. you had the people who were like. But now you just don't seem to, to have those type of guys anymore. But they're still playing the game and they're still getting done. But things don't seem the,
0: the, the way they used to anymore. Who would be, say, the, the best communicator in the NFL today?
1: Hmm, best communicator? Well, Tom Brady is, is, is retired now,
0: so... Is that a quarterback trait there? Normally, it's quarterbacks, I guess, who have that trait.
1: Oh, 100%, because the quarterback has to know everything that's going on on offense. He has to know everything that's going on on defense. He has to know what everybody on the field is doing. And a lot of times, he has to be able to communicate with all the players to tell them what they're doing. So you have to have that trait to be able to communicate
0: properly, if, you, if if you're the quarterback position. So you've had an incredible playing career, two Super Bowls. Like you don't even have to know NFL to know that to have a super to win a Super Bowl is just you're in an absolute minority of yep. sportsmen in the world. What were those teams like culturally? Like were they were they great places? I imagine they'd be kind of all about i I look at nfl excellence ruthlessness athleticism what are are those cultures like and how good is it to be in those teams give us a flavor what it's like
1: the odd thing about the, the teams that we were on the teams that won the super bowl is we were never really the best team until the very very end right so we struggled like it was like back and forth the entire season or like you know we had to win you know a two or three games to actually get into the playoffs. And then once we got into the playoffs, we just, we were such a gritty, grimy football team, right? That it's, we we were never the best team. So it's, I, I couldn't really explain to you, like there's some teams who are excellent football teams. Like, you know, the, the team who we beat in the first Super Bowl, the New England Patriots, they were undefeated. They hadn't lost the yeah. game the entire season, right? The best team in football. We weren't. We were like, You know, we'd lose 40-something to seven to a two-and-eight football team. Like, teams that we had no business losing to, we would lose to. And then at the very last minute, we got hot, right? And so the only thing that I could associate with the teams that I was on was just pure grit, pure determination, never knowing when we were beat, never knowing when we were out of the fight. And we thought, in our minds, we were better than we actually were. Like, we we thought we were really good, and in reality, we we really weren't, <laughs> but it was just the belief that we were we were good that carried us through. So that's why that's why I would say you know most I associate myself with those teams. With
0: I love that though because that it's like that cliche. You gotta to achieve it, you gotta believe it. You know that that's what I love about the American psyche it. is you gotta like if you don't think you gotta have some level of. Um, I used to find this when I, when I did press interviews. I never really said what I was really thinking because I was like, well, if I did, you'd think I was quite arrogant. But if you speak to any of that, like, athlete that you would have played with, I would have played with, you've got to have a certain level of arrogance to actually yep. <laughs> get, get to that level. Who were who the leaders in that Giants team then? Who did you really like having around? And what, what were they good at? What qualities did they have? The first
1: uh, Super Bowl that we won, Michael Strand was a guy with his name. He was, by far, he's my mentor, the guy who I learned so many things from in the NFL. But he was not only the best player, he was a dynamic leader, like... Everybody rallied around him. He was the older guy. He was in like his fifteenth year at the time. Gray beard, a Hall of Fame player. He had been through it all, but he was he was like a mentor to everybody. And because he was such a good player and such a good person, everybody just gravitated towards him. And he was tough too. The, the, his his style of play wasn't like it wasn't finesse. It wasn't like pretty. It was like grinding. He was physically beating up people right for for the entire game. And so when you see somebody playing like that, it motivates you and, and you're drawn to him because the game is a very physical game. So he was the guy with, without a shadow of a doubt.
0: Love that. What about Eli Mann and his quarterback? How mm. are all quarterbacks do they all have to be kind of like extroverted leaders, or are some of them quite quiet? What was what was he like? Where is he on that continuum?
1: Very quiet. Extremely didn't say didn't hardly say anything. He let his play do the talking. He's the guy who was, you know, he was the captain. But he wasn't he wasn't like the guy who would rally the troops and get everybody around him. He just went out there and he performed. And because of the way he played, we followed him because of that. But overall, he was a very quiet guy. There were other guys who were, you know, the guys who everybody would rally around. I wouldn't say he was one of them. No.
0: So you've got some of the rare experience and Tom Brady's been in the in the press a lot lately. You mentioned that final where you were underdogs, but you actually come through and win and Tom Brady was the opposition mm. quarterback. What's your experience playing against him and what do you think made him so special?
1: His mentality. I, I've never seen anything like it before. Still haven't to this day. Haven't seen a person with mm. that drive, that meticulous attention to detail. He holds himself and everybody accountable. He's the best player, the hardest worker the most prepared, just a fantastic individual, man. Everybody who I've talked to who knows him, who's been around him, they can't stop raving about the way he is as a person. And uh, when you have the guy who is the best player, but he's also the hardest worker, the one who shows up before everybody, the one who leaves after everybody, the one who's around his teammates all the time, you just can't go wrong with, with with having a guy like that as a leader and that's exactly who Tom Brady is.
0: What about the coaches then that you're involved with the Giants? What What are the coaches like? Because I've had coaches in rugby, some of them are, are very quiet, some of them are very aggressive, some of them sort of take a bit of a mm. back seat and a bit more of an armchair kind of kind of view of what's going on. What are the coaches like in, in the NFL? Well,
1: I had one coach Pretty much for my entire time, I was with the Giants. His name was Tom Coughlin, the mm. general Tom Coughlin. <laughs> and the odd thing about him is he wasn't a... They say something in the NFL, which is really... It's true. And the more you're around different coaches, the more you understand that a team will take on the personality of their head coach. That it's That's just what it is in the NFL. However the head coach is, if he's there long enough, for some strange reason, the team will start to behave the way he does. So everything that I described to you about the way we were or we're a gritty football team, we were a never-say-die football team, that's how he was as a person. He was a small guy. He wasn't wasn't a big guy, right? But he was very, very vocal, very, very scrappy. He's the guy who, who nobody really gave a chance. He's the underdog, and he made it to the top. And that's how we were as a football team. So when you look back on, you know, how the things that we were able to do and then you try to mirror that to his personality, you see it was one and the same. We were the same. We were the exact same thing as Tom Kaufman was as a coach.
0: So we've sort of dipped into what coaches and opposition players, some of the inspirational players that you've had of sort of traits they've they've demonstrated. A question I'd like to ask you now is one I've asked all of our guests so far. If you had to design OC's captain's compass, what four traits would you want to demonstrate to be a good captain and leader? First, discipline.
1: Mm, Nice. That's the... First thing that, for me, you would have to have, you have to be disciplined because the the sports that we play, rugby, American football, they take so much out of you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the the athletes who are playing it are so talented that you have to be able to be disciplined about what it is that you're putting into your body, the amount of work that you're doing, the exercise that you're doing. You have to be very, very disciplined about it. And number two, you got to be dedicated, right? Like you got to be dedicated to the sport, there's so many things that come around with the sport that if you're not dedicated to the actual sport itself and committed to it, you're just not going to be able to to make it. And I think the third thing that I would say outside of discipline, dedication, work ethic. Yeah, nice. Like work ethic to me is one of the most underrated parts of of being an athlete, right? Because you know what it takes to to, to, to actually have to grind every single day and try to outwork the people who are there with you because everybody in there is going to work, right? But the, yeah. per, the person who works harder than everybody else usually is the guy who comes out on top, right? So work ethic and then number the last one I would say would have to be mental fortitude. Like you have to be mentally strong, not so much, you know, physical strength is one thing, but the things that are going to go... The things that are going to happen out there to you on the field, the things that are going to happen in the locker room, the like ups and downs, the injuries, the the losses, the, you know, how do you bounce back from, you know, real disappointment and real heartache? And, uh, you know, if you're don't, if you not mentally strong, I, I don't think you're going to be a really good leader. So, to me, those would be the things that I, I would have to have in a
0: leader. I love this. Uh, I, got, I got to dive into a few of these. So I love all those. You know when you yeah. said dedicated, you said... That, um, when you said about distractions, I imagine... Being an NFL athlete, there's a lot of distractions. I, I, yeah. I don't know how realistic it is what we see on the TV with like the house parties and the girls yeah. and all, but all that yeah. stuff. But have you seen players who've come through, particularly when you're probably more senior, you see the young lads come through and they get carried away with maybe the money and the attention? Mm. And have you seen good talents get lost because they haven't been dedicated or they have shorter lived careers because they haven't had the dedication that maybe you're talking about that you displayed to give you a, a 12 year career in the NFL?
1: Happens most of the time. Most mm-hmm. of the players who come into the NFL actually really? won't be quite as... No, they won't be because the things that come, the changes that happen in your life, you know, once you make it... And it, things are changing now for, for college athletes, whether college athletes are not getting paid, you know, they have money now in college. And so they're coming into the NFL without that. It's not like a big switch for them because they already have things. But when I, when I was playing, we would go from literally having nothing you know, $20 at the most in your pocket to all of a sudden you're a multimillionaire, right? <laughs> all of a sudden you're famous. All of a sudden you have like a bunch of things that you never had before. Um, you're going around, people recognize you, people see you, women are chasing you. Anything you want is literally at your disposal. So you go from nothing to having all of that in a blink of an eye. It, it's, it's very disorientating for a lot of people and they can't deal with, um, the, the fame. They can't deal with all the things that, come along with it and they're not willing to put in that desperate work to maintain that level or to tune out all the distractions they, they just can't do it over an extended period of time so you see a lot of the guys who come in who falter immediately because they're not able to to focus properly
0: i agree i see that i've, I've had young kids ask me like when you're in the dressing room oh sam how'd you get a boot deal then and how'd you get a car deal i'm like <laughs> play for your country mate the like cheapers, you know I mean? creepers like, are you are you playing this to be famous or are you playing this to be good because you should be playing this to be flipping good that should be your first mentality i like what's about hard yeah. work as well and yeah. i say this to like young kids particularly say like you popped into a school visit you know it's like in school you kind of want to get achieve the most but do the least work you know you're like the lazy guy you're naturally talented and that's maybe that might be cool when you're in school but i'm like well if you go into a professional environment. Lazy is not cool. Hard work earns you respect. You're listening to Captains with me, Sam Warburton, and my guest, two-time Super Bowl winner, Osi Umanura. I I want to talk about your story a bit and how you got into NFL. So you're... Born in North London, but yep. what what because you went back to Nigeria. So were you were your parents? The I presume they moved over to yeah. England, and you were born here. Then you went back home. How did how did that work?
1: Yeah, my father had a couple of businesses in England at the time. So okay. when I was in England, I was born here. I was here for the first seven years of my life. Then you know things kind of didn't go so well for his businesses here. So we had to go back to Nigeria, and um, so I was in Nigeria for another seven years, and then from there I moved to America. And um, that's when I started playing football at the age of like 15,
0: 16-ish is when I, when I began playing football. Was that your first exposure to NFL at 15, 16?
1: First time I'd seen it. First time I'd actually laid eyes on um, American football. Oddly enough, like my mom had went to America and she came back and she had brought like a little blanket for me from America. And so I used to sleep under this blanket for for like three, four years before I went to America. I had no idea what it was. And then um, when I got to America, I saw the logo. It was the Raiders, the L.A. Raiders, the Oakland Raiders at the time. And that was the blanket I was sleeping under. Uh, for like three, four years. Had no clue what it was until I got to America.
0: So how hard was that to pick up? Because you, you mentioned Christian Wade and a lot of the, cri- mm. not criticism, a lot of people say you were from America. Oh, it's, you know, you can't just come in and just pick up the sport. It takes a long time to mm. learn. So how, did mm. you find that quite hard pick? Is that a, a late starter then at 15, 16? Or did you, is that a good age to start and plenty of time to pick it up before turning pro?
1: I think that's a good age. It might even be too early, to be completely honest with you. Because I I think the difference between American football and most other sports is that the level of skill required is different at different positions. So, for instance, you have the quarterback position. Now, that position you have to have been playing since you were like five, six years old. There's there's no no question about that because of the, the little intricate details and the things that you have to know. You know, you have to, it's a highly skilled position. But then when you move on to like the defensive line and the offensive line, you know, some of the other positions, you could start playing that game at a much later age, especially if you have the prerequisite athleticism and the size, the speed, the aggression, and the intelligence. We've got people who started playing the game at 20, 21 years old, who are in the NFL right now as a rugby player, as a matter of fact. Jordan Mayata out of um, Australia, Um, he started playing, he came to the NFL at the age of 20. Now he's an all-pro player, one of the best players in football at his position, so it's 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 the main difference between the NFL. As a fact, Sam, I don't know what what are you doing. Like, how how do you feel right now? Do you feel like you can come out and give it a try? Because I believe we might be able to. We might have a spot for you out there, Sam. If you, <laughs> you
0: feel like giving it a shot. <laughs> you know, I had, yeah, I had people. Well, I've seen I've seen some I've seen your your sacks, and I was looking at your technique, and I was like, that's why I asked about the rugby because I thought it looks like OC's yeah. playing some rugby because you're like nicely around the hips, you're wrapping. I'm like that looks like good technique yeah. for a rugby union player. Mm. And I want to talk about leadership on the pitch, but off the pitch, you're lead ambassador for NFL Africa and, and Uprise. Give us just a, for the for the audience listening, it's an amazing initiative that I've looked mm. into and I found it quite emotional actually watching some of the videos that you're doing. Give us a flavor of what you're doing and the mission you're on at the moment.
1: Yeah, well, what I, what I realized was, as we talked about earlier, I'm from Nigeria. My parents are from Nigeria. So I would usually, I would go back to Nigeria all the time and I would do all this charity work. We'd be there trying to dig wells for water, trying to provide electricity, but... Sandwiches never seemed to be enough. So what I did realize when I kept on going back was I was like, well, there's an a, an infinite amount of athletes here, right? Uh, I'm talking about like superb, mm. some of the best athletes in the world. But you know, the athletic development is never really focused on in Africa because they have so many other things that they're concerned about. Whereas in the Western world, whether that's here or in America athletics, you can actually use that as a way out. Like, if you can use that to actually better your life. So I said, well, rather than going over there and doing charity in, 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 in the old way that we were thinking about it, why not do it in a completely different way? Because here they have the athletes, and then over there they have the demand for the athletes. So all we have to do is connect these guys and give them an opportunity that way. And um, so that was where the idea for NFL Africa was kind of birthed. I was like, well, I know this game. I know you don't have to you know, play the game since you were like four or five years old. You can actually start it at a much later age in life and be successful. So now all we have to do is find the athletes, give them the opportunity, and see what happens. And that's exactly the, the, the birth of NFL Africa, and that's how we started doing it. We found a couple of guys. They immediately came over, uh, got signed immediately by NFL teams, which was bizarre. It was, yeah, it was crazy. And so it all started from there, and now we have this whole big, event in Africa where we go get the best athletes and we give them opportunities. Some of them come to the NFL Academy in the UK, they get their education. Some of them go to school in America, get their education. Some of them go directly to the NFL. And um you you know what that means. And you know, Sam, if you see where some of these guys are coming from, right? And within like a couple of months, their entire lives have changed. Their whole family lives have changed. It just seemed to me to be a better way of doing
0: charity than, than what we were used to. I urge people to have a look at that and to Google it because when I was looking around, and there, there was a video that you did on um, the NFL website that was published a couple of years ago now when you were launching it. But mm. how did you find that? Because it, it's such an amazing thing. Though. You're talking, you're, you're telling that some of them are going to join the NFL Academy in London. Yep. Some are going straight over to the US. I bet that must be such an amazing feeling to give them that opportunity and tell them, look, you're in. How yeah. does that feel? And what privilege is that like?
1: It's nothing like it. Nothing like it. As a matter of fact, it's it's a feeling that you know I wish for other people. Like I want. I'm not talking about making it. I want. I mean, I want people to feel what it's like to go somewhere, see somebody in a a desperate situation, and then you know you're like, okay, here we're going to give you this opportunity, and you train them for a couple of months, and then the next thing you know, they're in the same situation that you were in, right? And they're in the NFL, or you know, they're going to school and. It, it happens so quickly, and it's just, it's really mind-blowing. And then you go and you repeat the whole situation all over again, and then you see the, the impact that's happened on people's lives, and then you see the impact that's happened on their families' lives. Like, nothing will ever be the same for these people ever again because they were given this opportunity. And... You know, they say when you when you do things for other people, like you're the one who actually gets the benefit from from it, right? And, and yeah, that's what they say, and it's 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 the absolute truth because that feeling of you know knowing that you are able to do this for somebody else. There's really nothing like it, sir.
0: When you were a teenager in Nigeria, who was your inspiration that you looked up to growing up?
1: I was all like, you know, soccer players or football players. So for me, it was JJ Alcocha. It was oh, Rashidi nice. Akini. It, it was guys like that. kanu wanko those players. Because at that point in time, it was only about um, soccer for us. And then a little bit later, Hakeem Olajuwon came on the scene and we were like, wow, like, you know, there's all these good things. But now what you have is you have a, a whole bunch of players in the NFL. It's like over 120 of them who are like of African descent. So now we have to make that connection so the players or the people who are in Africa can now see a brand new generation of stars and actually start to
0: support them and follow them. So when you're doing your project now, prize and, and you are talking to the athletes, it's obviously great giving the good news. How do you break the bad news to some of them? Because you obviously don't want to break them. But how do you yeah. sort of keep them positive but still... At the same time, you let them know you haven't made the cut this time. How do you manage yeah. those situations? That that must be quite tricky.
1: As good as it feels to tell the people that they made it, it feels worse mm. to tell the other people that they didn't make yeah. it because it's it's devastating. You can't really look at them in the eyes because it's 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 just it's 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 a horrific feeling. But what I have noticed is this: even the ones who didn't make it, right just the fact that they were able to come to a camp like that, maybe the camp is in Kenya or the camp is in Ghana. They've never left the country. They've never got on a plane before. They've never been fed like the way these guys are eating. They've never been in a hotel. Yeah. You know, They've never even had that experience. So even that experience alone for them... Like even if even if I'm even if I told them, hey, it doesn't doesn't look like you're going to make it or you don't, they they don't care. Like for them, just the experience alone has given them hope and has given them Amazing. you know the ability to try to, to shoot for something in their life. And so I'm seeing a lot of these guys, and they're still sending me the videos. They're, you know they're working out, they're training. The and, you know, as as long as you have hope, as long as you have that mentally. Something good can come out in your life.
0: Well, you're you're a trailblazer when it comes to increasing awareness and promoting these pathways, and that's a form of leadership in itself, isn't it? So, do you like being prepared to go out of your way to to help others and be in that spearhead and being in that leadership role? You might not see it, but it is a yeah. it's a huge responsibility to do, and it's awesome to see. It is. It,
1: it's I can't I can't say that I like it because what I realize is I have two different personalities. Like I have the personality that was on the field. And I have the personality that was like, you know, um, a leader and a motivator and trying to get. And then I also have another side of me, which is very introverted, very laid back, very. Yeah. Very wanting to stay away from, you know, the limelight. So sometimes it's it's good. And then sometimes also I'm like, man, I don't know, man. And that that responsibility in understanding that there's so many people who are depending upon what you're able to do. Like, sometimes that responsibility is, is is a lot, you know? And then thinking about having to decide, you know, what's going to happen with a lot of these guys. And in some instances, it's, it's the difference between life and death. Yeah. Taking a guy away from the situation he's in and, and leaving him there, right? So that plays a lot on your mind because it's just, it's not the same thing as a lot of people trying to make those decisions. These decisions are having real ramifications and real impacts on, on the directory of people and their whole family's lives. So sometimes that, that gets to be a bit too much, but all, you, you just have to try
0: to focus on, on, on the positive things that you're doing. Do you like the spotlight? You've obviously had loads of it, which we will delve into your career. And off offered- the... Yeah. Off the field in your life, post career as a very successful pundit, work on TV as well. Do you quite like that spotlight, or do you do that stuff? And then, when you dip away, you're back to sort of introverted O.C. do you yeah. like switching and out of those personality types? So
1: you have to switch in and
0: out of it. So, it's yeah. like in, initially, when I, when I first
1: moved to, um, to to London, I moved away from America to get away from everything because. You know, American football, being in the NFL, that's like the biggest thing that there is in America. So, like, if if you're a good player there, it's it's a lot. So, mm. when as soon as I retired, I didn't want to stay in that environment. Like, I wanted to, I wanted to like run away. I wanted to leave immediately. And so, I came out here, and um, you know, we started to do the show, and I found that, you know, what I was running away from, it followed, it followed me here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, the, the the positive that I take out of it is. You know, sometimes I see people, and I see people in the street, you know, and they see me, and the, the smile that, that comes on their face, right, they're so happy to, to, <laughs> see, to see me, right? It's okay, you know, it's, it's fine. Like, I, I can deal with this because I know that I've brought some level of joy or some level of happiness to, to quite a few people, and that, that is a good feeling, honestly.
0: With with your hard work and that mindset, was that was that like intrinsic? Maybe from your upbringing in Nigeria, was it a yep. coach who really got you motivated? Where did you get that hard work from? Do you think?
1: Definitely my father, hundred percent. He he was the most disciplined person, you know, who, who I know. And I was talking to um one of the kids who came over. He was staying with me for a while, um just for a week before he went to America. Uh, one of the guys from Africa, and I was telling him, so I played 18 years total of football. 18? 18. Wow. 18 years. So two years in high school, four years of college, 12 years in the NFL. And I told him I was never once late for a meeting. I never missed a workout. Love that. 18 years of just complete discipline. And, and that that comes from just, just my father. He was a very, very disciplined individual. And I was trying to tell him because he came over and we were supposed to go somewhere at eight, eight o'clock in the morning. He came downstairs Um at like 745. We're supposed to be at the place at eight. So I left him. Like I left him at the house. I was like, listen, you're supposed to be down here at 7:30. You came down a little bit a little bit late, you know. And he couldn't quite. He's like, Well, it's, you know, we're just, it's I'm here chilling on spring break. Like, but in my head, I'm like, no, you need that mentality of no matter when, no matter what, you have to be disciplined. And that's when I broke it down to him and he understood it then. So that came from my father, 100%. So,
0: yeah, and the, the discipline side, there was one story when I remember I was like a young academy kid had come through, was training with me in the gym. And uh, I was like, You, man, I wouldn't miss a set. Yep. I was always on time. I, I did all the work. because so I just knew it was like, I'd just be like, Right. One of the coaches used to just, the analogy was, It's in the bank. Every session, it's in the bank. It's in the bank. You're just getting better and better and better. And this one kid, we in the gym, and we had like, I don't know, we had like one super set left, you know, like three exercises of push, yeah. three exercises of pull. And he was like, Oh yeah, I'm done there. And I was I looked at him (laughs) like what do you mean? I looked at him like he's like he literally like kidnapped my kids. I went I was like, You you what? He went, Yeah, I'm done. I went, No, we've we've got three more chest three more pull, and and then we're done. He went, Yeah, I'm I'm gonna leave it there. And in my head, I thought, you know what? I'm not gonna help this guy because if he can't even be bothered to do it in the gym what's he going to be like on the pitch? Do you know what I mean? When like yep. down by 10 points, 10. I'm like, if you're that lazy, I'm like, oh, you haven't got it. You, you haven't got that mental resolve. And that was going to be my last point when you said about mentally strong. I certainly had times of self-doubt and chatting to you now, you seem such a confident, hard working, inspirational guy. Did you have moments of self-doubt at all in, in your career with, where things got tough?
1: Oh, a thousand percent. I think um, the first time, I really, really started to doubt myself. I would say it was in 2008. I um, I tore my knee up. Hmm. And I, I remember this was weird. Just won the Super Bowl. So we're going to the next season. You know, they took me to the doctor and the doctor looked at me. He was like, oh yeah, you're done. You're, you're, you're finished for the season. You're, you're not going to play it again. And I was like, okay, yeah, yeah that's oh, cool. Like, when am, when am I going to be ready to play? I, he said it to me, but I couldn't process. I couldn't process what he was saying, right? So he was like, no, like you're, it's, it's over for you for this year. You're not going to play again. And I remember going into the hospital. They had the surgery, and I, I was devastated. Like, I was crying, crying, crying nonstop because, for me, everything was predicated on speed. And so you tear your knee up like that. You're out for the season. You're immobilized. They had to repair so many things in your knee. I, just, I didn't know if I was ever going to get back to, to that spot again. And, you know, you start the train. It's just not quite there yet. And a whole year, is that's, that's like a long time. People don't understand how long a year is oh, yeah. for athletes uh, to be able to fight back and get back. And then 2009, I go out there. I wasn't quite myself yet. And so you really start to have doubts then. But by 2010, I was back to being myself. So it took like two full years um, to recover from that injury. But at that point in time, I had some real doubts.
0: Do sports psychologists get used in America? We've used them a lot over here in the UK. Do the teams in the NFL have a designated sports psychologist? Or is that something that players would seek out themselves?
1: No, they they did that. They started to do that later on in my career. But early on, it wasn't like a thing. You know, like mental health and the things that are being talked about now. That that wasn't even a discussion. It was like, what do you mean by mental health? Like, go... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
0: yeah, it is. take yeah. a shout. Or something, <laughs> what about criticism? Obviously, playing so mm-hmm. long in the NFL in such a high-profile sport, it's great when you get the admiration. What about like criticism? What did you? Well, first of all, did you quite welcome criticism? Did you find it quite hard to take? When maybe when you were younger and you got used to it, mm-hmm. what were you like dealing with criticism?
1: Well, I think for the most part, for some art, for some reason, I took it upon myself early. To be very, very critical of myself, right? So if I'm doing something wrong, or if I'm not playing up to my potential, or if I'm not, you know, doing the things that I'm supposed to do, like I would recognize it first. So when somebody's criticizing me, if they're correct, usually a lot of times they were correct. So, but I knew it before they even said it, I was like, well, yeah, I I knew I didn't do this right. But then when somebody is criticizing you and they don't know when the, what they're talking about, mm, that's a completely yeah. different um, mindset. So the, the only thing that, that I would say kind of helped me was, I think a little bit later on in my career, I heard somebody say something. And it was like, listen, you should never take criticism from somebody you wouldn't take advice from. Yeah, so, that's a
0: good one. <laughs> right? Yeah. So,
1: you know, once I started to think about it like that, my whole mindset changed. Because before I was taking in criticism, whether it was valid, whether it wasn't valid, I was taking it on and it would weigh heavy on me. But then when I started to think about it as in, well, I wouldn't take advice from you. Why am I going to allow you to criticize me? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
0: that's so yeah. true. I never thought of that. It's actually such a simple way to think of it. It was actually really good. Yeah, so that, that's the way I decided to deal with it. As we sort of round it off, I I, I asked this question to a lot of people, but you've actually got the unique experience that you actually do do this, given what you do with NFL Africa and and Uprise. What advice do you and do you enjoy giving to the young aspiring athletes who want to be an NFL player?
1: Tell them all the time, listen, it, it sounds cliche, but work, hard work, believe in yourself. But most importantly, Sam, and this is going to sound crazy, but you got to be lucky, man. My journey to the NFL and my, my journey to even college, it, it, it was so lucky, right? Y- yes, I worked hard, but I had to be in the right place at the exact right time for any of this to happen. My last year in high school, I didn't get scholarships from anywhere. Like nobody offered me a scholarship to go to school so what, what had happened to me, how I got into college, my sister had given me her car to drive. So I had her driver's license already. So I was driving to school already. And I was supposed to be going to driver's ed class in the morning. And for like two days, I didn't go to the driver's ed class. I was like, I, I'm already driving. So I'm not going to I'm not going to class. So one day I show up to school. They're like, hey, you need to go in an in-school suspension because you're supposed to be going to this class and you didn't. I was like, all right, cool. So I went to in-school suspension. My first day there in in-school suspension, the guy who was running in-school suspension, was the he was the he was the running back's coach um, of the high school. So he was like, see, what are you going to do with your life? I was like, I don't know. I'm going to have to find a way to go to college. He was like, you know, I think you should keep playing football. So he called one of his friends. He was like, hey, I want you to come look at this kid. He's a big guy. He can run. He hasn't been playing long enough. Come look at him. His friend just so happened to be in the area at the time visiting his parents. So his friend came over to the high school where I was in in-school suspension now, sitting down, serving a suspension. And he was like, hey, you're a big guy. Can you run? They took me outside. I ran the 40, brought me back inside. He called the head coach of Troy State University. He's like, hey, we got this big kid here. He can run. I think we should give him a scholarship. Gave me a scholarship. Boom, I ended up at Troy. That's how my football journey continued. So what if I decided to go to school, right? What if I decided to drive, you know, and go to the driver's ed? I wouldn't have been in no school suspension, and I never would have even had the opportunity to go to college None of this would have happened. So as much as I like to preach hard work and discipline and all those things, there are definitely some
0: elements of of luck that you know have have helped me and can help you too. So you've got great insight in the NFL and you watch a lot of it. Who do you think has the potential to be one of the NFL greats who's maybe young in his career at the moment? You'd have to say Patrick Mahomes.
1: He just won another Super Bowl with the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, Nice. The most dynamic player that we have. He's also another quarterback, but... I think at his current trajectory, he's going to be the greatest, if not one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. He's got
0: it all. Really? Nice. Well, OC, honestly, it's been a real privilege and a pleasure. I've loved watching NFL, just from my armchair and looking in. I, I love everything about it, the, the spectacle. And you've just confirmed what I've been thinking, the mindset of the athletes in it as well. And thanks for sharing your story. Good luck with that prize as well. It's inspirational. Anyone who wants to catch up on that, I, I really urge them to go and search and Google it because what you're doing there is inspirational, obviously. So thanks for jumping on. And it's been awesome to talk to you.
1: Absolutely Also one more thing Sam If you know of any Like rugby players Who are trying to make The switch over We're looking for British superstars That can make this transition Into the NFL We're going to give them The opportunity So if you have guys Who fit the mold You know Send them my way We'll we'll give them a shot For sure
0: We'll make a social clip Out of this We'll collaborate on it And we'll get it out there I love it (laughs) (laughs) Awesome Nice one OC Cheers mate Let's do it Thank you Thanks so much to Osi for his time, really great to get an insight into the wild and wonderful world of NFL. I loved hearing Osi talk about working with the general, Tom Coughlin, but I thought it was interesting him acknowledging that you sometimes need two different personalities at play, the extrovert on the pitch and the introvert off it where you think about the responsibilities that come with being one of the team's focal points. There's more information about OC's work with NFL Africa in the episode description. Do go back and check it out. There's some really inspiring stories there. A reminder, get in touch with the show by emailing captains at crowdnetwork.co.uk and follow the page on LinkedIn. Just search for Captains with Sam Warburton. Next time, my guest is former Wales football captain Ashley Williams as we revisit the magical summer, sorry England fans, that was Euro 2016. Until then, thanks for listening.
1: Crowd Network. A place where you belong.